Hello, everyone. I am Kim Cox. And I'm Sarah Day. And this is the Book Lovers Movie Club. And today we have a bonus episode for you. We'll be talking about the 1980 family horror film, (laughs) The Watcher in the Woods, and the 1984 horror film, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, We are talking about the movies that traumatized us as children today. (laughs) So (laughs) that is what we are doing. Um, We felt that this would be a good way to kind of wrap things up. And happy Halloween to everyone um, out there. Halloween's kind of for kids, right? Or supposed to be for kids. So this is a good one. Um, okay, and I think we're going to kind of jump right into our movies today. Um, and Sarah, that means that you are up first. Talk to yes. us about the movie. So I picked A Watcher in the Woods, despite the fact that when pushed, I could not have told you anything about this movie, except for the fact that I remembered that I was terrified by it when I was right. a child. And me too. Um, I mean, honestly, like when we, when we first talked about it, I was like, I kind of remember there are leaves and there's like light, um, but I couldn't <laughs> have told you a, a single plot point probably. And watching it again, a lot of things did come rushing back, mm-hmm. but um, this movie was more about the feeling that it left me with, I think, than the actual story. Yeah. So Watcher in the Woods came out in 1980 and it's a Disney movie, as you mentioned, and it, it is. is part of this weird moment in Disney film history where the studio was kind of flailing. And so they did some weird stuff for a yeah. few years, trying to kind of pick up some um, teen audiences in particular. Um, this is the same sort of general era that gave us Return to Oz, if that tells you anything. Which which now I that I'm saying that, why love. did I not pick Return to Oz as a movie that terrified me that movie. I saw it in theaters when I was six years old and I have never seen it again. I have showed it to my children. Already. Oh my God. I know. No. And they're young and they both loved it. I but actually have weird and memories of kids. that one. Um, yes. But so like that's me. the kind of thing that Disney was doing. And actually, weirdly, a lot of the movies that came out and that probably eight to 10 year period were not successful, but did become cult favorites. And, mm-hmm. and The Watcher in the Woods is one of those. Um so I actually don't know where I encountered this movie because I was not old enough to watch a horror movie in 1980. Um, and I for sure do not remember my parents being the kind of parents who are like, let's go to the video store and pick out a horror film. You know, so I, I'm not sure where along the way I saw it. Well, I um, know that you and I were talking about this a little bit yesterday. I was texting you when I was watching this movie last night. Um to be like, oh my God, I remember this part and I forgot about, oh, it's about mirrors and I forgot the mirrors. (laughs) Um, But that you and I had both assumed that we watched it on the Disney Disney. channel somehow. Like that Disney did this weird thing and put this super creepy movie on Wonderful World of Disney Sunday Night Movie or something. I mean, I do. I still am wondering, I'm like, maybe this is one of those movies that got picked up by like TBS or something maybe um, but the along the way but find on yeah it's super strange that it cause... was in theaters and then on vhs and i think that you know we were just kind of unsupervised as children and if it said <laughs> disney on the front our parents probably thought it was fine well and there's definitely some peak 80s parenting on display in the movie um yes yeah, kind true. of well uh, yeah. the, the older daughter is like 16 she can it's true um watch the younger one right but, you know, you might want to tell her to do that before you leave the younger one right next to the woods in your isolated country manor. Um, so so the movie comes out in 1980. It's based on a 1976 young adult novel um, called A Watcher in the Woods, which I don't know mm. where the difference with that 
article comes from um by florence ingle randall okay and um it's it's pretty substantially changed from the novel for several reasons one of which is that the ending of the novel was essentially or apparently unfilmable um which led to them having to redo the ending of the movie like three times i think mm-hmm. before yeah. they landed on the one that we got well they had um, a first ending and audiences were like and nope. audiences were like nope hate <laughs> <Exactly>. it <laughs> um would rather not thanks um so they had to completely scrap the ending film a whole new ending which was very complicated and did not involve the original director um, whose name is, I believe, John Huff. And he had done like the uh, Witch Mountain movies. So the he was already to Witch Mountain and then escape from, from Witch, Witch Mountain, Mountain, the right? original ones right back in the yeah. 70s. Um, so the movie's basic premise is that this American family has temporarily relocated to England um, for the father to work on a musical or an opera. Um, this is actually yeah. not consistent with the book, which is set in, in the U.S. And um, also is weird considering that Betty Davis, who plays the owner of the manor, is also not British, right? Is actually American. So why yeah. we picked it up and moved it to a whole other country is unclear to me. Um, but so the family is looking for a house to lease and their real estate agent takes them out to this isolated giant house, furnished mm-hmm. and affordable. It's within their budget. <clears throat> and... The only sort of condition is that the owner, Mrs. Aylwood, who lives in sort of the side cottage or the guest house, Great name. Um, has to approve of the family, right? Yeah, okay. Closed captioning had no idea what to do with Mrs. Aylwood's name. And so it got translated like it was Mrs. Earwood, it was Mrs. Hillwood. Oh Earwood my was my favorite. But though. it's Ale. Alewood. Wood. So There's something wrong in the woods. Yes. Um, very subtle for the yeah. teen audience. <laughs> um, and Mrs. Aylwood is seemingly kind of a recluse. And the real estate agent lets us know that 30 years before her young daughter was lost. And that's the word that they use lost. Mm-hmm. And um, she sees Mrs. Aylwood sees the family's teenage daughter, Jan, and decides to let the family rent the house. And there's a lot of creepy vibes around this, right? Like what is the weird look on Mrs. Aylwood's face when she sees Jan? Why does she want the family to be in the house? Um, The other thing that's happening in these opening sequences is that the camera frequently is serving as a sort of weird in the woods presence. So we have surveillance, like sort of of something voyeuristic sort Mm -hmm. of hiding in the woods. And this is something that happens throughout the film. And I actually think is a really effective and creepy technique because you're sort of in the position of the watcher before you even know that the watcher is part of this equation. So the family moves in despite the fact that Jan is like, could we not? Cause she has a very creeped out vibe. Um, and they really are like, they're in the middle of the woods. There's no one around. And the, the landlady is deeply creepy. Um, but her parents are like, this is cheap and furnished. We love it here. Well, and um, it's beautiful. And it is, it's this incredible deal that they get to live in this huge house. Um, so the first truly creepy thing that happens is that Jan is standing in her, her bedroom, her new bedroom, looking out the window and there's some flashing in the woods. Mm-hmm. And then her window cracks at a triangle sort of shape right under right. her finger. Um, not too long after that, they're moving in. Uh, the She has a, an experience with a mirror, which this is the moment that I think yes. both of us were like, oh, that's the movie. Oh, now I remember. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she's looking in a mirror and she does not see her own reflection. Yeah. It's a very effective practical mm-hmm. effect. 
And as she's looking at the mirror, it cracks into that same sort of triangle formation. And in the triangle, we see a blindfolded blonde girl. Yeah. And it's terrifying. Yes. <laughs> I mean, and it's in this like kind of blue gray kind of light. Yeah. It's like, but that's all we can see in the mirror. And of mm-hmm. course, Jan's freaking out. Um, but things seem to calm down a little. For some reason, they go to like a nearby farm to adopt a dog for Jan's little sister, Ellie, who Ellie then creepily names Nerik. And, and she writes to, this on need, the window. Yeah, I need to pause for a moment because, and I'm going to interrupt you. I'm very sorry. It's this okay. little girl, I was looking at her and I'm like, I know this girl. She oh, Kyle Richards? so familiar to me. And I was like, she looks like the girl who is in Halloween who plays, um, okay, but wait, hold on. You're, you're nodding your head, but wait. In my brain, <laughs> I was like, is she the little girl who is in the Halloween movie, not the first one, but the one where the little girl is like in the clown suit and is chopping people up with a with a knife. And I'm like, is that her? So I go to look her up and it says Halloween. I'm like, it was her. Oh no, but it wasn't. But she was the little girl in the first Halloween movie who Jamie Lee Curtis's character was babysitting. She's like one of the only two people that live. So she was in a Halloween movie, but she just wasn't the one your brain girl. I thought she was. <laughs> so well, apparently those two little girls look just alike. I um, had no relationship to the Halloween movies, so I did not make that connection at all. But I was like, Kyle Richards, Facebook News has been telling me about her divorce recently. I have no idea who this woman is. And now weird. I'm watching. She's that's apparently weird. still just famous enough that people care that she's getting divorced. Um, okay, sorry. I have no idea why. But yeah, so that's, that's Ellie. Um, and so she names this dog Narek, and we see her write the word Narek on the window, but it's Karen backwards, right? Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, Jan's out here flirting with a farm boy, Mike, who immediately becomes her boyfriend. Right. Um, and Mike's mom sees the word Karen on the window and freaks out. Right. So we start to get a sense, okay, Karen is is this, the center of this, this mystery. We've got a conversation with Mrs. Aylwood after some more lights in the woods um, that reveals that Karen is her lost daughter. And we gradually piece together that Karen was in this chapel with three other teenagers 30 years before Mary, who is Mike's mom was one of them. And the other two were Tom Colley, who's like a hermit now yeah. and a rich guy whose name I've forgotten. Um, and so the three of them had been doing some kind of ritual uh, is sort of an initiation for um, Karen to be part of their little fearless club, right? And right. in the midst of this seance-like ritual, something happened. The bell in the chapel falls right onto where Karen was standing. Yeah, it's like it gets hit by lightning or something. Yeah, there's lights, there's flashing. Fire. Um, and Karen disappeared. And Tom Colley confirms that that she wasn't hit by the bell. He saw it, she disappeared, and then the bell landed where she had been. Tom Colley is not okay, right? Like Tom Colley now lives in the woods and tries to heal animals. Uh, and the ones he can't heal, he buries. But we first see Tom Colley sort of hovering on the side of the woods because he catches a glimpse of Jan mm-hmm. and like Mrs. Aylwood initially thinks that she's Karen, right? Like there's right. this idea that the two of them are very similar physically. Um, so essentially... Jan gets into her head that she needs to save Karen Mm -hmm. and all sorts of other creepy things are happening, right? Like she and Ellie keep hearing 
the other one humming or talking. Right. And it's then like when they Ellie ask about it, the they're things. like, I wasn't saying anything, right? Ellie hears stuff. Jan sees stuff. Sees stuff. And, and, and Ellie never then, hears anything. Eventually, we have Ellie sort of becoming possessed mm-hmm. um, yeah. more than once this happens where she speaks in another voice and she's the giving first time that happens cryptic. it's very creepy she's looking at this doll and um music box right yeah. that's the song that the song that jan has been humming comes from this music box and it's like she becomes hypnotized or transfixed yeah and she starts sort of saying not karen not karen you know time time's running out um and and another time she uses some language that she then repeats when she's no longer possessed and that clues Jan in that, okay, something is happening here. Mm -hmm. So Jan manages to convince the three now adults to, to redo the ritual. Mrs. Aylwood does not want her to, she's worried that it's going to just, the same thing's going to happen to her, but Jan is just compelled. She has to solve this. And it becomes, you know, there's lots of really interesting, creepy things that happen along the way. My favorite being, that she and Mike go to the carnival and there's the fun house and she, she finds herself in that room of mirrors. And instead of seeing herself again, she sees the blindfolded girl all around her, which is a very effective. Who's now saying, help me, help me, help me reaching out. So she feels like she has to do something. Mike is like, absolutely not. I do not want you doing this creepy ritual thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But they go back to the chapel. um, They do the ritual. Ellie is possessed again by what we now understand is the Watcher. And uh, essentially where we learn that the Watcher and Karen traded places 30 years before. The Watcher is some kind of supernatural interdimensional being. Mm-hmm. Um, in the book, it's an alien. Right. right. And in, in the first ending, in the first ending the movie, they... There was tried. an alien, and people were like, um, "What the hell?" Apparently, it was a very unconvincing puppet. Um, yeah, and there's even they shot but didn't finish um, a scene where Karen and Jan are on a spaceship with the alien. Oh dear! And like the alien was like, "Oh, I needed you to balance Karen out," and sends them both home. And like, no, 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 unnecessary. So actually, I think the ending they came up with works a lot better for a film. Um, because the watcher is never embodied. Right. There's just this like weird orange light mm-hmm. that ends up right where Jan is standing. It leaves Ellie, sort of flashes around Jan. Mike has had it. And so he breaks the circle and throws Jan out of the way. And when everything calms down, Karen is standing there right where she had been 30 years yeah. before, still blindfolded. And her mother walks in and they're like, that's the end. They're reunited. Um so I, I was telling you this last night, like, I I did not find this movie scary now, right? Like, yeah. I was like, oh, no. But I did know at multiple points, I was like, oh, this was terrifying when I was little. Like, mm-hmm. I could see where the feeling I attached to this movie had come from. Well, what's um, that? To, uh, <laughs> talk about the screenshot that I sent you. What screenshot? When I didn't I send it to you when I messaged uh-huh. you last night? I was like, um, this is legitimately creepy. And here's a screenshot that I remember I'm, seeing the words. This is legitimately creepy. Maybe the image didn't come through. Um, yeah, I think it didn't. Um, it's but this, I mean, it's the moment. Oh, no, there it is. I see it now. I think I was looking at my phone and I just missed it. Yeah. The terrifying blindfolded girl laying in, in a coffin, coffin in the abandoned chapel. It was so creepy. 
and again like I wasn't like jump scared I wasn't like you know horrified but I could see over and over and over again I was like oh this was horrifying when I was a child this is such a scary idea and of course you know it's got this sort of hint of the occult to it mm-hmm. because there's the seance ritual thing which of course was not cool in the 80s and they kind of toned that down yeah I mean not that it's cool now not that people are like yay witchcraft movies for children but um the idea that there was this sort of weird combination of ghost story elements right because karen feels like she's haunting the Mm -hmm. film um and possession elements and occult elements and like there's just lots of little things and i'm not sure necessarily that it's you know one of those movies that would be like scarring ever but it's definitely one that would make you think things are not okay i am concerned (laughs) yeah it's happening with all these details i mean it is a little confused and i'm glad they did not go with the alien conclusion because making it explicitly aliens and not just some sort of general supernatural entity sort of takes it into a whole different direction it does it steps way outside this like gothic ghost story and sci-fi which doesn't work for the setting at all and if it's not designed a sci-fi from the beginning because nothing really feels sci-fi right no maybe the flashes of light but th- that feels just as ghostly as it feels anything mm-hmm. else um although now that you say the gothic thing i guess that probably is a pretty good reason for them to to choose the location that they did because the house is very effective setting and the well, chapel and is very creepy i read somewhere that one of the houses that's used in the movie and so it's got to be when karen no when it's Jan the house where the rich guy goes, goes to visit the rich guy mm-hmm. That's the house from The Haunting, like yes. the movie from the 60s based on Shirley Jackson's Shirley Jackson's. Haunting Hill House. Right. Um, so that's a famous house, a famously haunted gothic house. Yeah. Um, so if you can get access to a creepy house. Might as well do it. Um, and I have not read this novel and I doubt that I will. I, I would imagine this is one of those novels that's impossible to find because young adult yeah. novels and children's books go out of print like the speed of light. Um, but I just think it's fascinating that they were like, this is a thing that should be a movie, but mm, maybe not all of it should be a movie. Right. And um, in some ways, I think that very possible they improved on what the book was doing. Um, just because I think the the gothic stuff, the questionable spiritual, like seancey stuff, is just more interesting and works better in an era when when science like when that science fiction special effects were still yeah. dicey at best right like yeah. even the the few things that are pretty special effectsy like the the random flashes the circle of light in the water they're not great like they're not executed super duper well no, um so trying to imagine what that what that would have looked like with an alien yeah no i'm sure it was it would take you right out of the movie i would think. i think so i mean I mean, we're not that far removed at this point from like Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which has Mm -hmm. such great, it's such a great movie, but the aliens in that movie are a moment where you're just like, oh, look at that. Have you seen it? (laughs) Oh, I love Close Encounters. I love Close Encounters, but when it's like, oh, look at these children in their leotards. I mean, they're generally smart because they keep the yeah. camera far enough distant far enough away. the aliens that i th- i think it's still effective like when the oh, every time i see it i just comes burst out. out laughing i'm just yeah. like oh look at that look at the little look at the little aliens when when the bunches of aliens come out to like take people that's di- but then there's the one where you can see like the 
tall oh just the tall yeah um i think that's effective still um but anyway yeah you're totally right but it is we're we were still not great at aliens right like and actually honestly i think it took us a very long time even if you think about signs which came out Mm -hmm. what 20 years ago not that long ago really in the grand scheme of alien movies um that alien is still mocked for its sort of like i like it too it's, you I know, like aliens. So I think it's very wise not to see to show us the alien too often in any alien movie. Yeah, that's true. Um, although we were just talking about uh, how um, no one will save you, which just came out on Hulu. It uses like 1950s style, big headed mm-hmm. X Files style alien, and I actually really liked how they rendered it. So maybe we're getting there finally. Like yeah. we can which do it. Which are now. you know known amongst people who talk about aliens and a lot and things as the grays um ah, like okay. the traditional little gray dudes with the big heads and the big eyes are known as grays um when you're talking about aliens and i guess the person who made the movie was like we haven't like, had a movie with these dudes with grays for a while um, i want to make Honestly, one of those i feel like um and that's not a spoiler for those of you who have not seen the movie yet like no that happens right away that's like immediate yeah that the aliens are are not a surprise um they are the movie and I, I really liked that movie, by the way. It's great, yeah. It's really good. Um, But so, yes. Uh, so The Watcher in the Woods, I think, is one of those, those weird movies that just hangs out in your childhood memories. Um, I, I did not know who Betty Davis was, so it did not impress no. me that she was there. Watching it now, I'm like, why did Betty Davis Oh my Davis gosh, Betty this? Davis. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, And it's funny because apparently part of the reason that the movie was rushed to theaters was to um, because it was her 50th anniversary in Hollywood, mm. right? Her first movie wow. came out in 1930. And I just keep thinking, okay, but why would any teenage audience member particularly care about that? But maybe like, their parents would take maybe people their parents, or something, I mean, whatever buzz you marketing can get. ploy? Because that seems like a weird choice. Yeah. Um, and she's, you know, she's very good in this, but she's, mm-hmm. she's Betty she Davis. Went up like, the, she's a presence. She went up the scenery in those <laughs> yeah. um, line. Yeah. And, you know, and the teens, the the younger actors um, do very typical 80s yell acting. And I and I know this is very dramatic, too. Uh-huh. Why so much of the dialogue is shouted? Jan not... and Nancy are cut from the same cloth. Same. Jan, and Jan, of course, is played by Lynn Holly Johnson, who was famous for Ice Castles. Mm. She was actually a figure skater. So have you seen Ice Castles? No, uh-uh. So Ice Castles is about a girl who's a blind figure skater. Like, she's not blind at the beginning of the movie, I don't think. It's been a long time since I've seen it. And she doesn't tell anyone she's blind. And she successfully skates this routine at some major competition. And then someone, they they throw roses at the end of the, Uh and she skates over a rose because she doesn't see it. And that's when everyone discovers that she's blind. And there's like some famous love song from it that I can't remember now. Maybe it's also (laughs) called Ice Castles. That's possible. (laughs) That's probably (laughs) what it is. But so um, she was not actually a professional actress. This I think was maybe like her second movie. Um, And she just yells everything. Yep. It's not necessarily the most convincing, but she and Nancy for sure have similar mm-hmm. styles of conveying yep. their feelings. So let's maybe use that as our segue. Yeah. Okay, yell so, acting. Yeah, yell acting. Yeah. Um, effective or no? Discuss. I, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> feelings about it. Um, which didn't stand out to me at all when I was watching these movies <laughs> in the 80s, but um, which, you know, was I watching these movies in the 80s? Probably late 80s, but I will say these movies came out that we're talking about today in 1980 and 
Nightmare on Elm Street in 1984. And I did not, I wasn't watching them when they first came out. I was too young even for the negligence of the 80s um, to be watching (laughs) them that young. But so I probably watched A Nightmare on Elm Street, um, the first one. I was probably 12. And I mean, it's it's rated R, even in the 80s. Yeah. It was rated R, um, which is saying a lot um, because lots of movies were not rated R, even in the 80s. Um, I guess this was just pre PG 13, but yes, for sure this no would PG-13. not have been a PG 13 yeah. movie. When did PG 13 start? I we should probably 86. look that up. I'm okay. pretty sure it's like not long after The Goonies. I feel like I relate those two movies. Um, I don't remember what the first PG-13 movie is. but Yeah, but I mean, swearing wouldn't get you an R right. rating. It had to be pretty bad to get you an R rating. Yeah. Um, even like sexual innuendo wouldn't get you an R rating. It had to be so. And the amount of like blood and violence in this is extreme, right? So yeah. it's not surprising that it got an R rating. It is surprising that I was watching this when I was 12 or 13. And that meant that my brother and sister, who are two years younger than me almost, were definitely also watching it. Um, at the same time, um, because, you know, we were left alone in the summers and we could go rent movies and things. And um, and then we would just we would rent four or five movies at a time sometimes and then watch them during the day. And we watched lots of scary movies, um, <laughs> lots and lots of things that were probably um, too young to watch. But um, I picked this as my childhood trauma movie because I remember being terrified by it. But then we also rented every other Nightmare on Elm Street movie after we watched this one. And then there were others that came out in theaters after, like, when we had watched the others and then we're like, oh, there's a new one. And we went and saw it in theaters, too, when we could do that. So how many are there? I don't know. um, Six, maybe. I'm not sure. Um, Okay, so this movie um, introduces us to um, our lead uh character nancy played by heather langenkamp um and she is in at least one other nightmare on elm street movie um and also robert england who is freddy krueger um and famously introduces us to johnny depp this is his first film role which is wild um and he is playing like a 16 year old in the movie he's actually 21 when he films this but it's his first film role and i was reading a little bit about this and his like wikipedia bio i feel like i mean we've known johnny depp our whole lives right we've known who he was forever before i saw this movie i knew that he was on 21 jump street which was yeah years later so i watched yeah those i i knew but- this was his first movie i had forgotten that until his name showed up in the credits and then he immediately appears on appears on screen in like khakis yeah, <laughs> I was like, but then also, and I'm allowed wow. to, I'm allowed to say this because I was like a 13 year old girl swooning over the 21 year old Johnny Depp. So it's allowed, it's allowed. <laughs> um, but in the like crop top football Uh-oh. jersey thing, that's I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. Not not even on this viewing did I hate it. Um, <laughs> Not even then. Um, and I mean, he's the only eye candy in the movie. So it's everybody true. else is pretty kind of, you know, normal, typical kind of person. And, and he's very pretty. But when I was reading his little bio on IMDb yesterday, it was like 
Johnny Depp dropped out of high school at the age of 15. He grew up in like, I don't know, somewhere, Kentucky or somewhere. And he dropped out of high school when he was 15 and got married and was selling ballpoint pens door to door. And then he went to California and just, you know, met Nicolas Cage, who was like, you should try acting. And he's like, okay, and got a movie. (laughs) What? What? (laughs) The weirdest that's the weirdest. That is a very specific and interesting story. Right. Can you imagine you... being Johnny Depp's first wife? Right. <laughs> like, what? You're married? He had to be like 18 when he got married and was a ballpoint pen salesman. Can you imagine? 18 oh, year old Johnny Depp knocking on your door to sell you some pens. Just picture. <laughs> it's just wild. Okay. So, anyway, in this movie, the movie begins with a nightmare. Like it's the very mm-hmm. first scene in the movie. Um, we see this blonde haired girl um, and we discover pretty quickly that she's like in a bad dream and she is being um, chased by creepy, creepy um, burned, like terrible burns on his face, iconic green and red striped sweater um, guy. And we find out later that this is Fred or Freddy Krueger, um, and that he is a real person um, who lived in the town and had murdered a bunch of kids, uh, 20 kids in the 20 neighborhood, kids. the mom says, in the neighborhood. Uh, yes. Okay, we'll let it pass. That detail stuck with me, too. <laughs> okay, um, and... He was tried, but he got off because of some technicality. And so the parents hunted him down and burned him up. They found him in this old boiler, abandoned boiler room where he used to take the kids because those are just lying around. Um, And (laughs) they covered him with gasoline, soaked everything with gasoline and burned him up and watched him burn. And they're like, so he can't. He's so Nancy's mom says, this line kills me. So he can't get you, Nancy. I'm so sorry. <laughs> because he's dead because mommy killed him. So ridiculous. I so loved ridiculous. it so much. And she's like drunk and like. Oh, yes. She's drinking. um speaking of peak 80s parenting, right? Right. There's several great moments where, where Nancy's mom is just like posing with her cigarette and her yeah. bottle of vodka <laughs> just a bottle that she's <laughs> hidden in the linen closet and she's just waiting for nancy to go to her room and she's leaning up against the wall in the hallway just drinking and nancy mm-hmm. calls her on it at one point she's like how about stop getting loaded and help me out because she's a single mom too right the parents are divorced right. the mom the dad is a cop but they he lives elsewhere so it's just nancy and her mom in the house and her mom is not helpful because she's drunk a lot of the time um and uh you know nancy's like why you have to be loaded all the time stop drinking and her mom (laughs) slaps her across the face and anyway it's a whole thing okay so at the beginning of the movie there's this girl she's in a dream the next morning um she goes to school and she's like telling her friend nancy and her boyfriend rod Yes. And Nancy's boyfriend, who's Johnny Depp, Glenn, uh, that she had this horrible dream. And here's what it was about. And then we find out, um, you know, kind of piecemeal over the next little bit that all of them had dreams about this creepy dude with the like razor fingers. Freddy Krueger's famous um, razor glove that he wears and kills people. Um, and so pretty soon after this, the first girl who had the dream, um, she is killed in her dream and her boyfriend 
sees it happen. She's like flung to the ceiling, very um, reminiscent of the scene in Poltergeist where the mom gets like stuck to the ceiling and flung all around. I'm sure they use the same practical effects to do it because it looks very much the same. Um, And she's just like ripped apart. And the scene is bloody, Mm -hmm. like way bloody, even by like modern day standards where we have some pretty severe um violence in horror movies and things it was still like whoa that's a that's a lot of blood it was terrible and so the boyfriend sees this happen and she's just being killed by an invisible something and he doesn't know what's going on and so he like runs away he's like they are going to pin this on me bye Mm -hmm. nancy and her boyfriend walk in because they're all in the same house and they see her dead and that's terrible they take the boyfriend they catch the boyfriend and put him in jail and he dies in jail he's killed by the same entity in the dream but this time he's hanged by his um bed sheets and a great you know practical effect with the sheets Mm -hmm. um it's very good i love to watch movies from the 80s because of the practical effects. i was gonna say that's my this movie had incredible effects yeah i was actually shocked and i was reading about the budget for the movie and the budget for the whole movie was pretty low but Mm -hmm. the special effects budget for all the special effects was like fifty thousand dollars oh my god that's it yeah, they pull some stuff off. We'll come back to that, though. Yeah. Um, okay, so they're both dead, and Nancy's like, I know what's going on now. It's this guy, and he's he's killing people in the dreams, and we have to do something about it. And obviously, no one is understanding what she's talking about. They think that she's just having... Like, um, she's in know, shock. She's, her- yeah, she's in shock. She's experiencing trauma from these deaths. Um, and eventually, um, her boyfriend, he's supposed to stay awake to help her, like, catch this guy when she yanks him out of the dream because she finds out that she can pull things back out of the dream with her. She pulls his hat. Um, and her mom almost believes her at that point that maybe this is really happening, um, but still won't let her kind of do what she thinks she needs to do to stop it. And then poor johnny depp falls asleep instead of waking up to save nancy and help catch freddy krueger and he dies in this really horrific scene blood of blood (laughs) sold into the bed and then all we see is this jet uh like a geyser of blood um onto the ceiling and then it drips through the floor later and it's really horrible and that's the last time we see him and then um uh freddie almost gets nancy but she manages to um to live she manages to survive right yes um she gets but, him into the real world somehow yes she gets him into the real world she manages to survive but then at the end of the movie you're like or but wait but wait and the ending of the movie becomes a kind of signature for all of the other friday the 13th movies like you you come to realize we know if there's going to be another one based on the ending of the movie because the movie ends and she like wakes up and her mom's like, I'm going to quit drinking. I just don't want to do it anymore. And she's like, it's all happy and sunshiny, but there's kind of a fog and a mist and her, um, somebody comes in to pick her up to go to school and all her friends are there again. Like everybody's alive again. So she goes and she gets in the car and she's all happy and then the hood of the convertible goes down and it's this red and green stripes. Um, and she's like, wait, what's going on? And the car drives off into the off to school or whatever. And then the mom who's standing there like smoking a cigarette in the least effective, but still great. This is the, this is the right. weakest one in the movie. This is the weakest one. Practical effect. <laughs> um, 
Freddy Krueger smashes out the window on the front door and pulls her body through it. It's very clearly a mannequin, but it's still <laughs> great. Okay. Um, and so, yes. Yeah. So all of that. The end. Maybe. Okay. So the end. Now I want to say before I let you jump in that the one image that really, really, really stuck with me, because I haven't seen this movie since I was like 13 years old or something. Um, so it's been a long time since I've seen this movie. But the one image that really stuck with me, and I was like, I wonder if it's as scary as I remember, is when Nancy is at school the next day after her first friend has died and she falls asleep. Her mom's like, you can't go to school today. And she's like, I can't stay here. I will go crazy. And she's like, but you didn't sleep at all. And she's like, I'll sleep in study hall. So she's actually in English class and they're talking Shakespeare. And that whole scene is creepy. Um, when he's yeah, talking, with the kid reading aloud, the, the kid Hamlet reading aloud and talking about thing. like the dead squeaking and gibbering. And then the, his voice when he talks about like, I could live in a nutshell, ex if only, except for I have bad dreams, which comes from Hamlet. Um, anyway, so she falls asleep in English class and she doesn't know she's asleep at first because that's a kind of hallmark of the dreams is that they're not quite sure at first. And she sees her friend who has died, Tina. Um, in a body bag clear body bag though it's a clear and she's in there and there's blood and she's like talking to her in her hand and I'm like and and I will say when this scene came on the screen I literally almost cried it was like I had an immediate like trauma reaction to that image and I was like oh god no I don't want to oh. and I was like okay it's fine <laughs> Just, just a, little, a movie just having a little ptsd from the scene <laughs> and then i was like and then it's gonna drag down the hall yeah. and i hate it and it did and so those <laughs> were still for me incredibly effective i what loved that thing sarah i thought that was incredibly creepy and i think that like the the trail of blood so especially blood. because this movie had some really well-timed comedic light-hearted moments mm -hmm. so that's when we have the hall pass moment yes <laughs> she's like hall pass and then it turned the girl you know turns around and is wearing like a freddy krueger sweater mm -hmm. um so i wish this is my first time seeing this movie right and i am too old to be enjoying a nightmare on elm street for the first time but i actually was shocked at how much i enjoyed this movie Yay! i just thought oh it's gonna be so cheesy it's not gonna be scary and instead I found it very scary um, and sort of surprisingly smarter than I thought it would be. Yeah. Um, like the basic idea that you can die in your dreams is something that definitely bothers us. Right. Like, yes. and there's, there's lore around that. Mm -hmm. um, but it plays with that sort of like dream world, real world in really interesting ways. And it doesn't really kind of try to get into the mechanics at no point is Nancy like, here's how this could happen. Right. Like there's yep. no exposition. We're not worried about it. They, like we just deal. That happens um, in the later movies more, but oh, does it? That's too they bad. Have to do I something. Kind of love that they're like, whatever, this is just the thing that's happening. Go. Mm -hmm. Um, but I thought the effects were outrageously good. I was yeah. like, this room is obviously one of those like turning room situations mm -hmm. with the upside down, but they did it so well. And they used it just the right amount in like right places in the movie. Um, yeah. Also, Freddy Krueger is not in this movie much. And I I don't know why I assumed it was about Freddy Krueger and therefore he would be on screen all the time. But he's only kind of glancingly. Yeah, you just see like half his face or he's in shadow. Most yeah, of the and time. until the until the big climax at the end, he's not really 
Yeah. Um, given a whole lot of screen time. And I thought that was really smart too, because he's creepier because we're sort of filling in the gaps around him. I love that the backstory is mommy killed him. Um, that line yeah. a whole group I was of parents on my couch. Yeah. But that scene <laughs> but, is so funny. Um, and you know, the idea that that he had somehow killed 20 children, it feels um like there's gotta be more to that story, right? Mm-hmm. Um and also that somehow this happened while Nancy was alive, but wouldn't have known or remembered it, I guess. Maybe, maybe or something. Maybe. Um, but so this idea that like the parents are being punished by their children being killed is mm-hmm. uh, a really sort of compelling, but it's not about the parents. It's about the kids. And right. Um, I did think, you know, it has some hallmarks of the 80s horror films. Um, you know, the first to die are the ones who are having sex in their mother's bed. Right. <laughs> Like Somebody's got to be wearing only a tee, only, only a shirt. Yes. Um, right. But it's actually not super like sexploitation-y. Like no. I was really surprised. I think, you know, it just sort of manages to be um, suggestive without being super uh, right. graphic. So like the when Nancy's in the bathtub, you've got that moment where the claw right. comes up like right between her legs, but it's right. brief. And that's a great scene too, the way they mm. did the bathtub. Um Anyway, I just I was mm-hmm. expecting just to be underwhelmed or to think, okay, this was maybe this was scary in the 80s, but I actually thought it was really scary now. I thought, yeah. you know, paying attention to how they did stuff and how they made some of these effects happen. Now, Johnny Depp, I think, is largely not great in this movie. He seems he's like very, this is his he's first very movie. pretty, but, um, you know, he's in Glenn is just one of those characters who exists to be stupid. And Nancy is just like, oh, you can't you fell asleep. How can you fall asleep? That's the one thing I asked you not to do. He's like um, the boy next door. He lives right yeah. across the street from her. They literally yeah, can They've see known each, each other, other forever. He's beautiful. He and, loves um, her. The implication is that his parents were also involved in killing Freddy Krueger. Yeah. So like they're they're, you know, the four kids who are being targeted that we know of um are all tied up in this story that they didn't even know existed but yeah the the dreams themselves were super effective Mm because they had this weird random stuff like here's a sheep for some reason yeah um and that's how you know it's a dream but also like that's he goes up the stairs like Like, you think she's yeah you think she's maybe out of the dream because she's like in her house all of a sudden and then it's like marshmallow. It's yeah, like, like her feet are sinking marshmallow into the in her, stairs. On her feet. It's just so some very creepy great. effects for sure. So yeah, I thought it was. Um, I could see why this would be a traumatizing movie to watch as a teenager for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it it is again. There's yell acting. There's like lots of. It's very eighties. Like the clothes and the styles. I'm just like this is like a time capsule movie, right? Um, but I I feel like this is the first one of these at least i don't know about the other five or six of the nightmare on elm street movies um really does feel like it did something like it mm-hmm. uh and i know that um this is the movie that sort of saved its studio right like this yeah. is i think it was new line sort cinema. of a shocking success was it new mm-hmm. line i was trying to remember so and uh and you can sort of see why this would be a hit because uh-huh. it's i think it still is now i know they remade it in like the early 2000s and i'm not sure why you would do that no well you know movies are going to get remade once it's been long enough that you might be able to cash in on the nostalgia thing yeah Um, but i just feel like something about the 80sness of this movie is part of why it works yeah i like that it's you know it's a kind of traditional slasher movie but it's Mm -hmm. got this very specific twist that make that makes it interesting because 
it's in dreams so you can do anything yes exactly and it's creative too that his weapon both in life and in the nightmares is this bizarro yeah glove um he's just a very immediately recognizable yep um character uh the fact that he's burned the fact that he's got the hat and the sweater all of that's there but the the glove is on its own terrifying yeah so. for sure yeah, so this was fun to watch it. yeah i was i was just like wait i'm enjoying this this is so not what that's i was great. expecting Yay. um and I, it is very very bloody but actually i just feel like it doesn't cross lines if that makes sense mm-hmm. like i feel like it's very aware of where to kind of pull its punches and where to sort of draw yeah a line and leave some things to the imagination and there's some there's aspects of it that are clearly like over the top but then there are other parts of it that feel real and those are like as there's the shock of the over the top stuff and then there's the real stuff that like hits you on a different level like yeah when johnny depp's character dies and you have the geyser of blood and people see it like people see his mother standing in the doorway right and so that's Obviously, that can't happen in real life. So something weird and supernatural and something is going on. So it feels very over the top and unrealistic. But later on, they see this like the blood is dripping from the ceiling because it has pooled. And that's a real thing. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's so much smaller, but it's real. It's like realistic, sort of like when um, Tina was in the body bag. And it's very much it's way less sensational than mm-hmm. her death scene was, but like the realism of it hits on a totally different level. Agree. So I, I don't know. I think that um, this movie, again, it's short, it's snappy, very pro the 80 to 90 minute yep. horror movie. Um, I think it does this, this sort of interesting thing where it asks the question, how do you, how do you defeat someone who's in your dreams right and um setting aside the weird like moment of 80s science where they're trying to do the sleep study (laughs) oh my gosh we don't know Um, what it is brain hocus pocus yes nancy sort of has this moment where she's like okay it's just a dream and glenn's sort of the one who suggests this right like Mm -hmm. we give dreams power by believing in them if you just don't believe in them they'll fade away they'll go away so nancy's seemingly able to sort of be victorious over freddy krueger because she says i know what i need to do i need to just not believe in you i'm taking back all my power and i my friends are fine everything's fine and so when her the next day when we see glenn and tina and rod and they're all alive and happy it feels like oh this is oh did we go back did it work she's undone it right like she's taken the magic and the power of the dreams Um, and i guess i read somewhere that that's actually what what Wes Craven wanted right he wanted a happy ending like he wanted the movie to end with Tina having or not Tina Nancy actually having beaten oh that's cool Freddy Krueger and the studio was like nope so that they, they compromised on that yeah. scene she got it but not but not um and then it, you're left with it like is she in a dream is she dead like what's mm-hmm. happening now yeah. um which is a pretty effective way to end things but I kind of love that Wes Craven of all people was like no yeah i want them to be happy that's so funny i want to give them a nice ending um because i don't know that i have ever associated Wes craven with happy endings no and you know what else i read yesterday when i was looking this looking at stuff about this movie is that the inspiration for this movie was Wes craven read 
some articles about, I'm going to get some of these details wrong, so I apologize, but um, about these men who had come from somewhere in Southeast Asia, I believe. Oh, I did read about Cambodia, maybe? Maybe. Um, And had died, like a series of them, three or four or more, had died after having horrible nightmares. And doctors couldn't determine anything that caused them to die. They were like, it wasn't heart failure. It wasn't a stroke. They they just died. And it's it's called something now. It's like the syndrome or whatever has a name based on this thing that happened to these men. And no one still knows what the hell happened. But these men were having these nightmares and then they died. And oh. he was like, what happened? <laughs> and so this is the movie he made from that basic kind of premise or inspiration. That's a great starting point for me. Yeah. I, okay. Yeah, I don't know that I would I wouldn't necessarily watch any of the others. Like I'm yeah. in general okay with just having the one. I'm not going to Well, I time, want but... to thank you Sarah for going on this scary movies journey with <laughs> me all month cuz I know this is not really your thing. Um and I think that we tackled some legitimately scary, gross, gory kind of stuff. Um, but thank you so... for letting us start with some that I was like this is the level I can handle. Yay. Um, and because of this I have watched movies that I never would have watched and I'm really glad I finally seen. I feel Yay. like I caught up with uh the 90s at least that's awesome there's a lot of movies in between that i'm still gonna skip but there's <laughs> a lot of fun totally okay well now we're gonna be moving on to some very different movies because for november our theme is um, movies about family um and our book for november is going to be the sentence by louise Erdrich. so if you want to read along um pick that up somewhere and for our first week of movies in November, we're talking about dysfunctional families. <laughs> and our two movies are The War of the Roses from 1989 and The Skeleton Twins from 2014. Um, so I hope that you will uh, watch those movies and join us for that discussion next time. It's great talking to you today, Sarah. As always. Bye. Bye.